The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live, broadcasting from the London Eye, it's Doctor Who Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 325. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this show once again, well, let's go across the pond that we call the Atlantic Ocean. It's Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. I thought I was retired. I thought you got some young new blood into the show, but I'm happy to be here nonetheless. You are the non- young young blood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's always great to have you, Dave. Um, it's it will be a loss without you. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, also joining us is Lee Shackelford from the Stateside. Hi, guys. It's good to have you back, Lee. Thanks very much. Dave and, and I are both baby boomers. I learned tonight. See, so <laughs> we're blood of the same vintage. <laughs> Well, and I, I guess um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If, I guess um, if you're the tail end, I'm just I, I'm, I'm sort of lost in be- between baby boomers and whatever came after that. I, I, I mean, like time a, and space. I'm in the limbo zone for that um, category. The Walking Dead, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's only when I don't have sleep. That was yesterday. <laughs> Well, and also joining Lee, myself, and and Dave is Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Hello, hello from the millennial side of the yeah. age equation. <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter where you fall in um, in um, I don't know what, what we want to call these terms um, generations, then um, you're welcomed and um, and and thank you for listening to Doctor Pachak and. It's a special episode because we're recording this on, uh, well, I'm actually recording it on the 27th of March, which means yesterday was the 26th. <laughs> yeah, that's why I get paid the big bucks. So, uh, <laughs> but it really? marks the 10th anniversary, 10 years since the return of Doctor Who to television. So that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. We're going to revisit Rose, if you will, and um, and reflect upon that. But before we do, um, I guess we got some news to to get to. But I do hope everyone's having a good spring, even though I'm still waiting for the spring weather to arrive. But um, I'm still, you know, making the best of it. We had snow one week ago today. We it was snowing, so at least it's not snowing. So, <laughs> though they they are 
predicting mix um you know a, a mixed forecast for the weekend which may have flurries in it so but uh, and possible accumulation but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> one day spring will get here uh all right so we'll we'll head along over to the news section which means that was lee typing on his keyboard <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not this time. <laughs> I've replaced that keyboard. I want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, here. Let's, uh, I'm doing this on the fly. Where did it go? Here we go. Well, if that sounds familiar to you, <laughs> and it may, since we, not, we reviewed it not too long ago, the Sea Devils had uh, a little cameo of the was it's the Clangers, so um, which are like little puppets, and the master was watching it, and uh, so it's um, apparently it, it's they're coming back to television. To uh, are they? Yeah, they are indeed. They're little creatures made of wool who live on the moon. So CBBC which is, uh, stands for the Children's British Broadcasting um, Company, that, 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 that particular channel of, of BBC, uh, is, uh, is bringing it back. So it's, it was popular in the 1970s, and it's obviously a, a aimed at young children. Well, its biggest fan is back, so Missy needs something to watch. <laughs> it would be great if... Right. Um, if <clears throat> If they do include another scene with with uh, her watching it, <laughs> well, we've done that joke twice already. You know, three is the magic number for yeah drama and comedy. So yeah, which leads but yeah. I just love the irony of that because um, you know we're celebrating the tenth anniversary of uh, of our show coming back, and then the Clangers, which have this weird connection to Doctor Who, they're also coming back. <laughs> yeah, in fact, they actually started in nineteen sixty nine. Wow. Well, um, speaking of Missy, we can confirm, though it's really not news because we all assumed it was going to happen that that um, you know that, that her character um, was was going to be returning. So, um, do we know which episode? We it's confirmed that that um, is it Michelle Michelle Gomez. Yes. So it's it's confirmed that she is returning for the next series. Uh, but do we know which episode it is? I believe it's going to be the the uh, first episode that's going to be a two-parter, but The uh, Magician's Apprentice, I believe, will be the episode she will return in. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I was... I'm thinking we might have spoke about that in a previous show, but I wasn't sure. The brain is a terrible thing. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a coursing up. It wasn't. It wasn't pointing it towards anyone else. All right. So in other news, um, Big Finish has announced that its license from BBC Worldwide to uh, make Doctor Who dramas has been extended to the thirty first of March, twenty twenty, which is great. 
They're... Oh, this is really good, really good news for them because they, they've deserved the continuity. They've been an absolute uh, stalwart in bringing not only Doctor Who, but uh, I mean, big finishes. Many people will know uh, do uh, other TV series. They've done Sapphire and Steel. I think they've mm -hmm. done Highlander and others. But uh, there's no doubt that their uh, their main um, show is. Uh, Doctor Who, and if it, if they lost that, that would uh, not do well. I think the only criticism I have, Big Finish, if if I'm allowed to say it, is they produced so much stuff um, I couldn't possibly yeah. keep up with it yeah, all. It's hard. Um, it's, it's, they're celebrating 15 years. Speaking of anniversaries, they're celebrating 15 years themselves. So um, that's that's great. You know, um, I mean. The, the the limitation that they have, and it's not their fault, is that um, as as far as the license is concerned, is that it's it's only goes up to the eighth Doctor that they can do, you know, stories about. So if you're looking for you know big finish adventures featuring the eleventh or tenth or or ninth Doctors or twelfth or whatever, um, you know they they can't do those, but they can do anything before that. I wonder if that also includes John Hurt's Doctor. I would imagine if it. I imagine it would, but but just curious if it mm, if it also excludes them. That's a good question. Them. Because I mean they've done, um, what what was it, the Unbound Adventures with different actors playing the Doctor. So I wonder if it yeah, would fall into like an Unbound story. Because even I mean even though now it's you know canon, he I you know I don't know. I mean technically he wasn't the Doctor. I mean he didn't go by the name Doctor. So I don't know. Maybe there's some. A loophole there, you know. Uh, they could also perhaps do something with the Paternoster Gang uh, if the BBC are not going to have a spin-off. Ah, oh, that would be wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there there are novels and you know uh, about the twelfth and well, the current Doctors or later since Doctor Who's returned, and those have been somewhat dramatized in audio productions, you know, in um, audiobooks, if you will, but they're almost, I mean, they're not big finish, but in some cases they, they do the sound effects and whatever, and it's it's almost a, um, an, a, it's not as good as a radio drama like big finish does, but it's, it's, it approaches that. So if you are hungry for more recent doctors in that format, um, you know, well, if you listen to our show, we usually have um, some audible um, examples of of some of that stuff that you you know if if you're interested if you're hungry for let's say an eleventh Doctor story or or whatever. Yeah, I'm not familiar with their total catalogue, so forgive me, listeners, if I'm saying something that they know. But I mean, uh, maybe they could do something like uh, uh, Pete's World stories based on you know the alternate Mickey or um, um, you know the the alternate. Uh, uh, you know Rose's father, and 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 yeah, because that wouldn't affect anything that was canon in in the main program. I mean, we we've said it before, haven't we? That uh, you know the the best visuals are on audio, mm -hmm. and uh, they've also, as you say, all right up to the eighth. But of course, uh, we have all that time between uh, uh, survival and the TV movie. We've got an awful lot of. Storylines. We we know that uh, the Seventh Doctor was still about up to the point of the TV movie. So the Seventh Doctor, I mean, there's what thirty years of stories there that you can fit in. And obviously, the Doctor's timeline is not uh, concurrent with 
our timeline. Uh, uh, indeed, we know that with uh, w- with the Doctor being uh, on, at Christmas for six hundred or uh, nine hundred years, you know. We, so we well, know they, that his they, they did do spin off series before, you know, with uh, like Sarah Jane with uh, when Elizabeth Sladen was still alive. Even before her, even before Sarah Jane Adventures, before the TV her own TV series, they had a Sarah Jane series of audio, yes. um, you know, adventures. Right. So it's very, I would think it's, I mean, it all depends on the licensing, you know, if, if they're allowed to do it, if they're allowed to take characters from today's Doctor Who and, and, and spin it off in an audio venture. Right. Next in the news is a new program, new Doctor Who program guide by Paul Smith with a forward by Gene, Locke, Gene Mark Lucifer, who... Um, who had done previous books. This was the, the original books, which I think there were originally two of them, and then there was a third. Um, they, they were the like back in the day, at least in my day. <laughs> in, in, others, in other people's days, it could be earlier, but in, in my day, back in when I was uh, discovering Doctor Who, and, um, you know, late seventies, early eighties, um, you know, these were the Bible. You know, it was just like you know. It was a great reference to go back and and see where you know um, when characters were introduced and what stories and um, this was this was the book to have. I it's it sort of I, I think my uh, my spine is on that book is very worn out from <laughs> from referring to that book and um, you know you, you'll know you'll learn episode order and what production code you know uh, there, there are those out there that i can say ccc and they'll tell me it's john pertwee's whatever story <laughs> but it's uh, very interesting the the um so it's great to see that this is coming back yeah i, I think the 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 author was lucifer rather than L- L- lucifer i'm sorry <laughs> well you know when I, I when i said that i i i paused in my i said i'm sure i'm messed I, that, that can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're very uh, I, I apologize straightforward to the books. I mean, uh, I think they've kept the, the obviously cost down. It's it's a very mat- matter of fact, a very factual. In fact, um, I haven't got those particular books uh, to hand, but I've I've actually got a, the uh, making of Star Trek uh, book, which is sort of a similar thing. The the book on, but and that's in the very sort of. Very a matter of fact and very straightforward guide. There's no, um, it, it's not a, it's not a, a vastly illustrated book. This is purely factual. Uh, some people would say for the uh, the uh, people that were obsessed with the detail and, like you say, the production codes and so on. Uh, I mean, I, I rely on uh, Peter Haining's uh, uh, Dot Two: The Celebration. Mm-hmm. It's but another that, great that book. Only cover, mm-hmm. Yeah, that only covers the two decades through time and space. So uh, <laughs> there you go. That was, and that's another Bible of Doctor Who back in the day. That Peter Haining. Yeah, he had they, a series they, of books. And jo- yeah, yeah, was another one by Jonathan something. I can't remember. I, well, I've got the 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 the. the, the Banks one on the uh, Cybermen and mm-hmm. one on Gallifrey and so on. I'm sure we all have uh, uh, things, but uh, yeah, the, it is good that this is done in the, what looks to be the same format. And obviously, the very fact that the uh, that uh, Jean Marc Lucifer has um, <laughs> given a foreword yeah. um, assumes that he uh, approves it, and yeah. you know. 
it's, exporting. I, I just realized it's it's called the New Who program guide. It's not. It's. It, I don't see Doctor Who on the. As far as the cover artwork, it doesn't even say Doctor Who. It just says New Who program guide. Interesting. That's true. It doesn't say. You're thinking it might not be officially approved because it it, it has a generic. Tardis on the front, isn't it? It's possible. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously done in the same style because um, um, the Doctor Who news page has a photo of the, uh, you know, of the inside. You know, and there's a page of the Eleventh Doctor. It's, it's written in the same format and the same, um, you know, style as the original books. Actually, there's a banner on the cover that says "Unofficial and Unauthorized." Ah, uh, keen eyes. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm guessing L'Officier, that's what I think. That's he is think. French. Oh. Yeah. Ah, L'Officier. One Doctor Who story that, that got lost in time, that though is constantly being regenerated and re-brought back and, um, in, in various different formats, is, um, is one by Douglas Adams, who... Um, just recently, um, I think it was, um, I don't know if it, the 11th was his birthday. He celebra- he would have um, ha- had celebrated a birthday. Unfortunately, we, we had lost him at the age of 49. But his uh, story, Shada, which, um, uh, not Shada, uh, City of, I'm sorry. I, I'm getting, conf- I'm very confused today. Um, his story, I'm, I'm thinking Shada has been redone over and over again, but it's, it's actually... Um, Shadow was my my uh, jumping ground to, uh, to, get, to getting into City of Death, but his story of City of Death is going to be turned into a novel by uh, James Goss. I know it is Shadow. Well, um, isn't it? No, yeah. no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was Shadow too at first, and then yeah. I realized it's a City ah. of Death. Yeah. Ah. I'm, I'm sure there's probably novelizations out there of Shada, but I thought maybe this now was going to be something um, maybe expanded into like a, a full-fledged right. standalone novel or something. But but this mm-hmm. is a City of Death, which um, I guess the same applies because I, I would be I would I didn't collect all the I had some. Um, well, I don't know what survived Sandy, but I I had um, a good chunk of uh, story adaptations that were made by you know from target um you know target novels had done these novelizations of doctor who stories uh which is great for like those missing episodes this was like the only only way to kind of read well for those that had seen them relive it or for people who never seen it live these adventures so um i'm not sure i I, i'm pretty sure city of death had to been a novelist had to been Novelized or in in some point or another. I think so. Well, it's something to look forward to. It's coming out on the twenty <laughs> first of May by BBC Books, and it's a novel based on City of Death. So, I, you know, maybe you know he's going to be expanding upon it since. Um, mm. Who knows? It's one of the most famously witty scripts. I think it's it's a, an eminently quotable. Uh, serial, yes. so I, I can only imagine. I think there'll be a lot of fun on paper. So, right. Yeah. I mean, on this page, someone's commented here, Philip. Um, City of Death bears a striking resemblance to Adam's novel, 
Gently's Holistic uh, Detective Agency. Right. Well, uh, it's one of those uh, stories that we always sort of, you know, if you you put together a, a list of Doctor Who stories that you can recommend to others to sort of introduce them to the series, and I think City of Death always falls within that category. It was originally aired in 1979, and it's a very popular story. It was um, watched by over 16 million views at the time. It's a Tom Baker story, The Fourth Doctor, with uh, Ramana, Lala Wood playing Ramana. Um, it also had um, Jack, um, Catherine Schell from um, yes. those that may know her from Space 1909, mm-hmm. Maya. She was in this story as well, but mm-hmm. playing Count... Scarlone, if I'm pronouncing that right. Scarlone, yes. Is none other than Julian Glover, who uh, was who had been in Doctor Who before, who had, um, I, I believe it was the Hartnell era that he had, he was first in Doctor uh, uh, Who. Yeah, and whose whose 81st birthday is today as we record. That's what we were leading oh, into. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. so, ah, jumping the gun. Jump no, the gun. no, that's that's great. It's 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 his birthday today, so we wish him a happy birthday. He's 81. 81. He was uh, he was shortlisted to be James Bond. You know he. He was uh, in a James was, Bond uh, movie. He was. Wasn't it's like the, it's almost sa- like the consolation prize. Yes, he's Cristados in uh, Never uh, Say for Never. For your eyes only. Which oh, is oh one of my, for your eyes only. Yeah. But yeah, and he's wonderful, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. For your eyes only. Okay. And he has an astonishingly short uh, appearance in The Empire Strikes Back. It, it's one of those things where you go. Was that Julian Glover? Yes, he was in Empire Strikes <laughs> Back. There, there's so many Star Wars Doctor Who crossovers. Um, we we exactly. mentioned one That's in another, the Sea Devils, yeah. you know, with the original Jabba, um, Jabba the Hutt, right. when he was an actor, but uh, when he was a humanoid, uh, that was before. <laughs> Back when Jabba was human. When Jabba had legs. <laughs> when Jabba had legs. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of crossovers there. So we wish yeah, him it, it well. Was in, it was in Blight. Sorry, he was in Go Blake ahead. Seven as well. Yes. Um, so he's done lots of things, and, and also in the Avengers, which uh, the, we've got another birthday that relates to that. That's um, Patrick Patrick N- Newell. Newell played Mother in the Avengers, but also it's his birthday today. Uh, would have been his birthday. Sadly, he died there, but um, he was in the Android Invasion. And let's uh, finish the trilogy off with uh, Bernard Wilkie, um, visual effects manager, manager, designer, sorry, on six Doctor Who stories. Um, it would have been his birthday as well today. All three. There. Let me just... Uh, Bernard uh, was on um, The Ice Warriors, The Mime Robber, Colony in Space, The Curse of Peladon, uh, Frontier in Space, Planet of the Spiders. He died in... Uh, 2002, but he was born 27th of March, 1920. Bernard Wilkie was also an effects designer for the Quatermass films, which some people say are the original template for Doctor Who, so that that's a very logical hire. Quick, get us Bernard Wilkie. Speaking of birthdays, we'd be very remiss if we failed to mention that on the 25th, it was Patrick Troughton's birthday. He was born on the 25th of March, 1920, which would have made him 95, I believe, um, today. Uh, yeah, mm. on the 25th, a few days ago. Oh, days my ago. giddy aunt. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's uh, March seems to be a, bir- a well every year every month is a is filled with birthdays, but it seems to be of particular note. You know, it's also if you're a Star Trek fan, on you know we we had the passing of Leonard Nimoy recently. You know his birthday as well, just a, um, a couple days ago, and. Um, and and William Shatner's um, before that, they, they were always I think separated. Their birthdays were always separated. I think by two days or three days or something like that. Yes, I think it's a week. But yeah, yeah, Shatner just turned eighty-four. Yes, so which so. Lenny Nimoy would have turned as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I didn't mean to end the news on a somber note, but. Uh, um, yeah, way to bring it down, yes. Lois. That was, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's lift it up. By We're, we're going to yeah. come back and we're going to celebrate 10 years. We're going to revisit Rose. So um, we'll uh, be back right after this. I'm sorry. Uh, what, what, you, what were you going to say, Dave? Well, we should really have mentioned Terry Pratchett as well. Really, oh, I oh, yes. Well, okay. We, well, we didn't, we didn't leave yet, so... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, yes, yeah. and we we should mention the passing of. of I mean, speaking of Graham Graham Sheridan, who's who's um, you know usually met in the past had co-hosted with us many times. He's he's he did a um, or, or maybe he still does a podcast on Terry Pratchett, and I know he was a big fan. So um, you know, I, as I know many of our listeners probably are. I, I'm not that to be honest. I'm not that familiar with his work, but I know um, was it Discworld that he did. It indeed did forty-four books, I think, in that series, mm-hmm. wow. and there's still, I think, I think there's still one more book to be uh, come to be published. He, he was doing two books a year, um, but he was getting more and more problems with uh, a sort of uh, dyslexia with words uh, as the illness progressed. Yeah, he of course um, on his obituaries they said he had passed from you know due to Alzheimer's, so. Uh, um, you know, he was suffering from that because he wasn't that old. No, no, indeed, sixty-five, I think. Yeah, that's a shame. What? It's a terrible loss. Indeed, sixty-six. He was. Oh, sixty-six. Okay. Uh, a mere slip of a lad. Yeah, uh, born in. Uh, in actual fact. Uh, he was born at twenty eighth of April, nineteen forty eight, and died March. So, help me out there. That's just a, a few days before. He, okay. In a month, he would a have month. been sixty seven, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah. So he was sixty six. All right. Well, um, any other sad news that we should report? <laughs> Can we... We'll try to think of some. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, while everyone's thinking, we'll be right back after this. This is Matt Smith, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Hey, so what books are you currently listening to? If you like and you enjoy listening to podcasts, it's a good bet that you enjoy listening to audiobooks as well. And Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. 
Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, including science fiction, but they also have comedy, thrillers, romance, business, all different types of topics that might be of interest to you. And if you got a long ride or you just enjoy listening, if you're taking a walk, you know, it's spring, people are getting active now. Audible can provide some listening pleasure for you. And they got tons of Doctor Who titles. And their titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, more than 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. If you decide it's not for you, that's okay. You can... um, you can cancel and then you keep your free audiobook. So to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pawchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pawchalk for your free audiobook. And since we are celebrating the return of Doctor Who, which came back to television in 2005 with an episode called Rose... Um, that's what we're doing. That's what that's what we're doing in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. Rose was um, saw the return of the Ortons and the the nesting consciousness. So uh, let's go back to the first time that we got introduced to the Ortons, which was the introduction of John Pertwee as the Doctor. Um, this time, you know, in two thousand and five, it was uh, Christopher Eccleston as the as the Ninth Doctor, but Back um, in 1970, it was uh, John Pertwee as the third Doctor. And there's a title that you can... It doesn't have to be your free title, but if you'd like to choose it as your free selection, there's Doctor Who and the Auton Invasion, which is uh, tells the story of that first story of the Autons and of the third Doctor's first story as well. Uh, we can listen to a little bit of it. In fact, th- in this little segment, it picks up with the second Doctor right before he regenerates into the third Doctor, uh, sort of a forced regeneration. But listen, and um, and this is uh, Caroline John, is the late Caroline John, is uh, narrating this audiobook, and it's written by uh, Taron Sticks and Robert Holmes. In the High Court of the Time Lords... A trial was coming to its end. The accused, a renegade Time Lord known as the Doctor, had already been found guilty. Now it was time for the sentence. The Doctor looked very out of place, standing amongst the dignified Time Lords in their long white robes. To begin with, he was quite a small man. He wore an ancient black coat and a pair of check trousers. He had a gentle, rather comical face, and a shock of untidy black hair. But there was strength in that face, too, and keen intelligence in the blue eyes. A hush fell as the President of the Court rose and began to speak. Doctor, you have been found guilty of two serious offences against our laws. First... You stole a TARDIS and used it to roam through time and space as you pleased. Nonsense, said the doctor indignantly. I didn't steal it, just borrowed it for a while. The president ignored the interruption. More important, 
You have repeatedly broken our most important law. Interference in the affairs of other planets is a serious crime. Again, the doctor interrupted. I not only admit my interference, I am proud of it. You just observe the evil in the galaxies. I fight against it. We have accepted your plea, Doctor, that there is evil in the universe which must be fought. You still have a part to play in that great struggle. At once, the Doctor began to look hopeful. You mean you're going to let me go? Not entirely. We have noted your interest in the planet Earth. You have visited it many times. You must have special knowledge of that world and its problems. I suppose I have, agreed the doctor. You will be sent to Earth in the 20th century time zone. You will remain there for as long as we think proper. And for that time, the secret of the TARDIS will be taken from you. The doctor was indignant. You can't condemn me to exile on one primitive planet in one particular time. The president's voice was cold. We can and we do. Again, that's Doctor Who and the Orton Invasion. And it's narrated by Carolyn John, who played Liz Shore in um, the television version of this story. This could be a free selection if you choose to be, if you choose it to be, or you could choose whatever you like as your free audiobook. And once again, to get your free audiobook, you simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And if you're driving, you can't go to that URL right now. You're not going to remember it later. Simply go to pachak.net and you can find links to the promotion there as well. And if you're wondering, yes, this is Spearhead from Space, at least the title that it, that it was when it was televised on the, the television version of it. Um, for some reason, it's called the Orton Invasion here. So uh, and just letting you know, in case you do want to pick this as your free selection and you go to Audible and you, and you search for Spearhead, for Spearhead from Space, it's under Doctor Who and the Orton Invasion. That's the name of this audio book. And once more, to get it, go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And we're back with Doctor Who Pachak. That's what we were listening to 10 years ago today, um, for many of us, for the first time, this new version of the theme. Well, when I say many of us, it it, it actually goes different ways, because obviously not all our listeners were 
might not have been watching originally, you know, when Doctor Who came back 10 years ago. I'm assuming most of you probably know Doctor Who started in 1963 and it ran for a good, what, 26, 27 years before um, Michael Grade in his, um, in his, <laughs> well, he was the, he was the BBC controller at the time and seemed to be in for Doctor Who's uh, removal from programming in one way or the other. So um, Doctor Who originally had a hiatus, which was, a, I believe it was an 18 month hiatus and it came back and, um, you know, we, we had a, you know, a couple more years of Doctor Who and, um, you know, a new doctor and um, some, you know, forced lighter story or elements into it, some humor. And um, but then it was sort of finding its way back. And then, um, unfortunately, then that was it, it was um, for uh, how many years? It was maybe a total of uh, was it 16 years or so? 16, yeah. 16. Yeah, we had one breather in 1996 with the Eighth Doctor and with with that TV movie and with hope of that bringing back a new series. It was a TV movie that had the option of becoming a, a series if they, you know, if they found a the BBC was looking for a, a U.S. Um, network or company to kind of do it in conjunction with them. They, they had um, they had this uh, unholy union between Fox. I think it was Universal and um, and then the BBC coming together and did that. And unfortunately, um, it just didn't turn into a series. Um, the, uh, Paul McGann was on a five year contract so that if it did, he would um, be the doctor for for, you know, without, you know, if, if everything went well for five years, at least. And um, but that never came to be. And then there was from 1996 to. 2005, 2005, there was no more, there was no other Doctor Who other than what was out there, you know, like Big Finish was doing their stuff and, um, you know, we had new adventures in novel in novels coming out. I think Virgin might have been the publisher, if I remember correctly. So, um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So then... Do, it, do we know if uh, Daphne Ashbrook was uh, signed up for coming I back as Grace? So think she was under contract if I'm not mistaken because I think it might have been something I might have asked her in one of our series of interviews we did with her but if I remember correctly I don't think she I think she I think she herself would have been open to it but I don't think she was I don't think she had a contract for it right so um, you know who knows where it would have went you know after that but well this this sealed it with a kiss on the program, so it shouldn't be. <laughs> well, that was that was the big thing back then, because you know, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're tampering with the format of our beloved show, and um, and that was one of them, uh, along with some other things. But we're we're not going to go too much into it because we've already spoke about the TV movies. <laughs> but but they, they had several, if you if you forgive the pun, several masters to serve with that. I just, I told you that three different studios and they were all demanding certain things and, you know, making it more American or, you know, the, 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 I think that's um, where the whole half human thing came from, you know, because uh, of course, uh, American viewers loved, speaking of London, more loved Mr. Spock. And <laughs> so, and he was half human. So maybe they would make the doctor half human and make him more, you know, palatable for uh, um, greater audiences. Who knows? But, um, but 
which which kind of brings us to 2005. But before I do, I, I, one, one of the things, one of the elements in Rose, which introduced the series back to television was um, the character Rose asks the doctor about the Taurus and says, she, she says, this, it's, this is alien. And he says, yes. And then he said, um, are, you, are you alien or something like that? And he said, yes. So it was right there confirming. <laughs> he didn't say half human. He didn't say partially. He said, yes. So, but, but it was, it was actually 2003 when I think, it was, I don't know if it was October, it was later in the year. It was when it was um, first announced that the, they were working on the new series. You know, they started production, and um, and then it was March that it actually was transmitted. But if you were around at that time and you were a Doctor Who fan, you might have seen it before it was transmitted or broadcast on BBC on the 26th because there was a leaked copy of Rose, the episode, that, that um, was circulating on the Internet. And... Um, you know, so it was, if I recall correctly, maybe it wasn't completely finished, but it was mostly finished. So, um, but, you know, it's one of these things where I, the only ones that really saw it were diehard fans that were, you know, tech savvy and connected to the Internet and knew what BitTorrent was. So uh, other than that, you know, and everyone, I'm sure all those fans tuned in and watched it as well. So it um you know, it, it, I'm trying to remember if it was actually um, when it came to the States, because I think it was on the Sci-Fi it, Network, wasn't it, originally? It, it, yes, it, it was on the Sci-Fi Network, uh, the first, second, and I believe maybe even the third. or four, I'm not sure if it was the third or the fourth season that it switched to BBC America. I do remember that it was about... I want to say nine months behind broadcasting before it arrived to mm-hmm. uh, to you know the Sci-Fi Channel. It was um, an incredible time. I mean, we, I remember the BBC website had uh, teaser photos, production photos before the, t- uh, the before Rose, before we even knew who Rose was. Uh, you know, for the for a good year, I would say maybe six months or. Uh, but they had every week they released like this this, and it was really obscure stuff. So if you were trying you were trying to glean something, you know, to to hang on to, like oh, you know, you know, some something that would make you, you know, um, either you know a a Santaran something or some, you were just grasping at anything to, to to figure out what they were doing because everything was you know, tight lid and um, sealed and nothing. They weren't releasing any information. But so there would be like a shot of a coffee cup on a table on the set. And we were all trying to glean what kind of reference or information. What does this mean? (laughs) It was really obscure stuff, but that's all we had. I mean, before that, we had some um, web webisodes that were these uh, flash animated you know stories that were being done on Doctor Who, but this was this this was big. This was Doctor Who coming back to television. You know where it started, and where I think it's you know always meant to be. You know I'd forgotten oh. until you said that, Lewis. But um, the other thing that we were a lot of us um, sci-fi fans of a certain age were being teased at the same time was the uh, the film of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
And, mm. and so we were doing the same thing with that. We kept seeing, you know, a picture, as you say, of a coffee mug or something. We go, <laughs> I, I think that that's probably on the Vogon ship. Look, it's a cube. Yeah. That, that's what the Vogons would do. You know? <laughs> exactly. That sort of thing. That's exactly what we were doing, yeah. you know, with the Doctor Who yeah. photos. Because it was just like these obscure things, you know, there, there was just, you know, behind the scenes pictures from the sets and it could be a, a vacuum cleaner. They were, you know, a, sh- a shop vac and we're reading exactly. into that, you know, <laughs> that's what the Daleks are going to look like now. <laughs> but, but see, but see, um, Lee, you just made a very good point. We had no idea back in 2004 what this would even be like? Would it be a continuation? Would it be a reboot? What what would it would it be? So you know maybe they were going to look like a vacuum cleaner. The exactly. thing is, we did not know. I'm so glad you opened by by playing that that um, that, that uh, the Murray Gold theme yeah. there too, Lewis, because that that was I, I, I was ready to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was ready for my heart to sink, and I heard the familiar theme. But reorchestrated, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, <laughs> you know, we're ten seconds into this, and I said, this could be good. I, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And well, uh, well, watching Rose for the first time, it had this music, the rhythm, the pace of it was all new for Doctor Who, really. I mean, yes. um, I mean, uh, not to, not not to diminish the, all the music that was in the series beforehand, but this was. It had this energy to it that wasn't really that way in previous Doctor Who incarnations, if you will. Um, that right. it, it really moved you along. It, it was modern. It was, um, you know, it, it, it moved the story along, and it was um, exciting, you know. And he, and there were just these little clues that um, that were done very like in the episode Rose when we get this subtle introduction of the TARDIS it's just it's there in the background and the camera sort of just pans across it and you just hear you just hear like this little like a three note thing and it just yeah. it just gives you chills like oh, there's the TARDIS it's in the shadow That's of a building but there it is and it's blue <laughs> yes thank goodness yes whoever's idea to hire Murray Gold, I mean, and keep him around all this time. I mean, that's one of the greatest things that they did because even, you know, even in the seasons that we're in now, what he started back then is still, the music is interwoven into the, it's almost become an organic part of the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Here, here. And then, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I was just saying the uh, mm-hmm. one of the great things about it is that they, they, they did start with with the Doctor, uh, but yet they didn't start with the Doctor in terms of uh, mm-hmm. you know we yeah. we get grounded with this this young girl, this shopkeeper, nineteen yeah. year old shopkeeper Rose, and and so on. Um, but I, I still have the feeling that if this had been a, you know a launch of a new series in America, you know we would have gone back to an origin story. We would have started. You know, they would have well, thrown everything yeah, out that exactly. had before and yeah. gone back. I mean, yeah. how many times has Batman That's, been relaunched? How many yeah. times has Superman been relaunched? Right. And that would have been You're a heck right. of a sacrifice. 
Well, I, I think they were yeah, conscious that's to. That's a great point. To you know that they wanted to sell this to other markets across, and, and and U.S. being one of them, and they could have easily. I mean, luckily they didn't. Fortunately, they didn't. I think it was, they. Uh, I mean, um, kudos to you know Russell T Davies and and um, you know Julie Gardner and everyone that was in the creative team there that brought the series back. That they didn't do it that way, and it, it was a continuation. But they did sort of reintroduce. It, in a very, very subtle way, you had, I think it was the the character Clive who kind of, yeah. um, you know, for the audience sake, for, you know, here is this character that's appeared in various time and in, in different places across time. And it sort of sets you up there. And, um, you know, what the doctor says, um, you know, about the earth spinning and all that. And, um, you know, it, it's sort of like reintroduces the public to Doctor Who but does it in a very subtle genteel way where it's it's not another origin story and also like you said Dave here we are this story um, starts with the character Rose the title of the episode title character and um, and it doesn't start with the Doctor on the TARDIS and so Rose is sort of your introduction to this world of Doctor Who to the TARDIS to the Doctor and as Rose discovers who the Doctor is so does Maybe new or the new audience out there so, does as well, but all those that are you know senior Doctor Who fans can follow along too. In fact, I think it was really interesting that this was sort of in the middle of a adventure for the Doctor. If you, if you were following the, the Doctor's timeline, he was already you know in this. It, it's not like he just discovered the Autons were here. He was already there in um, the department store, and that's where he you know finds rose but it's 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 great that they sort of started it already in in a story in his adventure yeah when he says run for your life he does not expect to ever see her again yes yeah right that's that's going to be the end of the, the end of their encounter mm -hmm. uh, that's right you know he, he only finds her flat because he's uh he's following the following the plastic right following the following the yeah Nice trick. Who were they then? Students? Is this a student thing or what? Why would there be students? I don't know. Well, you said it. Why students? Because to get that many people dressed up and being silly, they got to be students. That makes sense. Well done. Thanks. They're not students. Whoever they are, when Wilson finds them, he's going to call the police. Who's Wilson? Chief electrician. Wilson's dead. That's just not funny. That's sick. Hold on. Mind your eyes. I've had enough of this now. Who are you then? Who's that lot down there? I said, who are they? They're made of plastic, living plastic creatures. And they're being controlled by a relay device in the room, which will be a great big problem if I didn't have this. So, I'm going to go upstairs and blow it up. And I might well die in the process, but don't worry about me, no. You go on, go on, go and have your lovely beans on toast. Don't tell anyone about this, because if you do, you'll get them killed. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. And another, I was just going to say another little interesting thing that, that doesn't clobber you over the head for, or make people, make new viewers wonder what, what he means. But it's a thing, it's a little 
it's a little thing for old time fans just to sort of explain that this is a new doctor. He looks in the mirror and he, you know, he checks out his ears and he's, I forget his exact comments, but he says, you know, not bad or something like that. So it gives this reference that this is the first time he's seeing himself after a regeneration. So, uh, you know, it sort of introduces a new regenerated doctor to longtime viewers. After seeing the 50th anniversary special, of course, my, my son in the theater said, Okay, so Rose is the next minute after this episode. <laughs> probably, so, it's probably, uh, yeah. I, or, yeah, I mean, if he hasn't had a chance to look in a mirror after that uh, that regeneration mm-hmm. at the end of the... Yeah. But, um, yeah, but although then now that makes that funny looking back that uh, that you would go from John Hurt to Christopher Eccleston saying, I don't know about the years, though. <laughs> yeah, but, but, say, so. <laughs> but say the last thing that John Hurt said was, I hope the ears, you know, won't be as oh, that's cons- right. conspicuous uh, this <laughs> that's time. That's right. That's right. But, it's just like, no, nope, didn't work. Yeah. But, but now I mean, following up. Still not ginger. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? I live here. Well, what do you do that for? Because I do. I'm only home because someone blew up my job. That's got the wrong signal. You're not plastic, mate. No, bone it. Bye then. You, inside, right now. Who is it? It's about last night. It's part of the inquiry. Give us ten minutes. She deserves compensation. Oh, we're talking millions. Um, <clears throat> I'm in my dressing gown. Yes, you are. There's a strange man in my bedroom. Yes, there is. Where anything could happen. No. Surprise, surprise. Don't find the mess. Do you want a coffee? Might as well, thanks. Just milk. We should go to the police. Seriously. Both of us. That won't last. He's gay and she's an alien. I'm not blaming you. Even if it was some sort of joke that just went Mm, wrong. Sad ending. It said on the news they found a body. Rose Tyler. Oh, could have been worse. Look at no, the ears. All the same, he was nice. Luck nice be a lady. Anyway, if, if we are going to go to the police, I want to know what I'm saying. I want you to explain everything. Maybe not. What's that, then? But now, following up on uh, the the Clive or Clyde, uh, and, I, and Lee, I'm glad you said what you did uh, right then. The only problem that I had with the whole Clyde uh, scene was they missed an opportunity, and I understand the reason that they did it. They did want to, uh, you know, appeal to all the different audiences. But assuming that this was just a freshly regenerated ninth doctor that we see in Rose, all of the adventures that Clive is showing her when he shows a picture of the doctor on a beach. He shows a picture of the uh, the doctor uh, aborting or getting ready to board the Titanic. I would have loved to have seen sketches of X, you know, the fourth doctor, the sixth doctor, mm-hmm. the whatever. But I understand that for the sake of reintroduction, you know, you may not wanted to have shown all these different faces and open up the question of, well, who is this? Who is that? But I think that would have been a nice nod to the old. Well, I agree. It would have been. But and like you said, it might have been confusing for new time viewers. But but also in Clive's eyes, uh, in, in his eyes, if he came across, he's doing this research and all that. If he came across, let's say, a a reference to the doctor and there's some sort of image and it's not the same person, he probably would have dismissed it. Oh, this must be another doctor, not the doctor that I'm 
I'm researching. You know, if he saw, how would he know that's the same same person? You know, that he's researching. Uh, yeah. if, if he yeah. came across, there are, there are lots of there are lots of things here because he's thinking of it as a uh, you know father son. Uh, yeah, father, he's thinking of it's like business, a, a generation thing. They all sort title, of looked yeah. alike. Yeah. And I mean, I must admit, I was a little bit confused when they show it because obviously, uh, first of all, uh, with uh, the ninth doctor looking in the mirror, you think, oh, he's only just regenerated. And then Clive's shown his historic pictures. But of course, those adventures could still be in the future. In the, in the doctor's doctor. future, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. so what would have been nice if they could have just had the presence of forethought to have done it would have been where you've got the doctor waiting to aboard the Titanic. There's somebody who looks very much like Rose standing at the side of him. In other words, mm -hmm. that might be a future adventure of the Ninth <laughs> Doctor and Rose. Uh, but uh, there was one nice throwaway line where Clive points to the image on the screen and he says, um, that's your Doctor, isn't it? Which, of course, is, is a classic phrase in mm -hmm. in, in, in Doctor Who. Um, I think uh, Ian, Sixth Doctor, who obviously regularly comes on Podshot, he said he was very upset with the, the sort of photoshopping that they'd done on that. It was, it was very poor. It was a very... I think they were trying to make... Oh, um, the Kennedy one, I thought the, was... The, the, the Kennedy yeah. assassination photo, I thought, was done not yeah. very well. But no, I think it's funny, isn't it? It's very kludgy. It's... Well, I think they were trying to also make... Uh, the doctor's face looked younger. Anyways, mm. uh, the, somebody, the, the person who had been given the job was thinking, well, this is in 64, so even though the doctor only ages slowly, even, you know, even 50 years ago, he would have looked slightly younger than he does now, like five years younger. So they tried to make him look like five or six years younger. Uh, but, of course, mm. he doesn't necessarily go on these adventures in strict linear chronological time not, and yeah. it got away from me there a little bit timey-wimey but you know what i mean well, well the other thing is that, that that just quickly just to say that everyone else in that crowd is sort of looking at the 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 parade that's going by there the the, the, the um you know the the motorcade rather and um and he's sort of looking right at the camera which seems to be it's a little the camera yeah. in, in each one yeah <laughs> And it's almost sinister with the, uh, you know, with the Kennedy picture. It's almost he has this almost evil look on him. Mm. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff's quite sensitive. I, I couldn't just send it to you. People might intercept, if you know what I mean. If you dig deep enough, you keep a lively mind. This doctor keeps cropping up all over the place. Political diaries, conspiracy theories, even ghost stories. <laughs> no first name, no last name, just the doctor. Always the Doctor. And the title seems to be passed down from father to son. It appears to be an inheritance. That's your Doctor there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tracked it down to the Washington Public Archive just last year. Uh, the online photo's enhanced, but uh, if we look at the original... November the 22nd, 1963. The assassination of President Kennedy. See? It's his father. Going further back, uh, April 1912. Yeah. This is a photograph of the Daniels family of Southampton and friend. Yeah. This was taken the day before they were due to sail for the New World on the Titanic. And for some unknown reason, they cancelled the trip and survived. Uh, and here we are. Uh, 1883, another doctor. Uh, look, the same lineage, it's identical. This one washed up on the coast of Sumatra on the very night that Krakatoa exploded. The Doctor is a legend woven throughout history. 
When disaster comes, he's there. He brings the storm in his wake. And he has one constant companion. Who's that? Death. Lee, I think I cut you off there. You're about to say something. No, not at all. I was gonna, I was going to say I'm glad you brought up the, the the him being in a frame of the Zapruder film because uh, um, I, one of the things that struck me watching the episode again was that um, as a screenwriter myself, I was trying to think if I were RTD and I were trusted with trying to do this, what what are the sources I would go to? What would be the problems I would try to solve? And I I was thinking that I would want to go back and look at Unearthly Child again, mm-hmm. and ask myself questions about that. This is how the series started before. And um, this is irresistible, you know, to to have the doctor turn up in something on November 22nd, 1963 in this episode. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was, um, you know, that that assassination took place right before the series launched. Yeah. It was. So uh, he he makes (laughs) we have a shot in this episode that ties us back you know, to 1963, uh, to Unearthly Child, right? Yeah. And uh, I just think I just think that's brilliant. But you see, and I never got that until right now. Well, it, 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 I don't think it struck me at first either. But but the, you know, the, here's the thing that didn't strike me until watching it again was that Unearthly Child is uh, our entry point in that story is a remarkable girl, and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of all a Twitter about the fact that she's so strange, and that I can imagine RTD watching that and saying. Yeah, but if you want to grab the audience emotionally, this needs to be a story about an extraordinarily commonplace girl. This needs to be somebody who is like people in the audience, Mm -hmm. not a thing from another planet. And so we start with her workaday world and her alarm clock going off and her working in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) department store and so on. I think that is completely brilliant, and that's why RTD is who he is. It makes it relatable to to everyone. Exactly. And the genius of that, and this is the other thing that didn't strike me until watching it again, was if you're going to bring back a classic series villain, who's it going to be in this episode? And if the point is we're going to bring us emotionally into the story through somebody who is just as who is just like you or me, then let's put her in a department store where she works around and looks at these mannequins all the time, mm-hmm. and they are completely wallpaper to her. They're, they mean as little to her as they do to us, and she has no idea that they are here to take over the planet. Yeah. And I think that is genius. That's total screenwriting genius. You couldn't have done that by starting the series with the Daleks or Cybermen, but the Autons. Yeah, which is that's yeah. that's it's, great. It's, that it's, is great. it's something that that, all, that longtime fans would appreciate and love, which which they did. And new fans, people just being introduced to it, won't feel so alienated that because they don't have this long history they were in a couple right. episodes of doctor a couple stories of doctor who and uh, um and that was it you know so it's it's something that it seems to be serving both audiences very favorably he, he, yeah. he, he knew he had to do both of those things at the same time it's it's fantastic I mean, the third Doctor, of course, had uh, the Nestine consciousness, and uh, that mm-hmm. was the, his long story. Um, and, That's right. And I think Rose was very successful, so successful that the, the template was copied somewhat with uh, with Martha Jones in the uh, Smith & Jones, where, you know, she's walking along the road and suddenly the Doctor comes up to, holds up his tie and says, See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you don't know what's happening there. 
and, and I think that was a, an excellent story as well. But um, there was an awful lot to watch. I mean, you're quite right. Um, I, just prior to doing this recording, I was uh, w watching the DVD here. And even now, um, I'm seeing a lot of things about it. Uh, I think on the Colton Collective, we, we, we did our... In fact, our very first commentary was Rose, which we did on the fifth anniversary, we did in 2010. And we were spotting new things there now. And... Um, like Kyle, I hadn't really made that reference with the the uh, the assassination being in the photograph, even though, of course, we know that that was what had held Doctor Who uh, back somewhat and uh, had meant that the, the first story was repeated. Um, so it was a very clever move. Um, and, of course, uh, maybe the casting of Billy Piper would have been lost on people in the States, but she was... One of the the youngest singers, I think she's the youngest singer in the UK, perhaps from since Lula or something, to have a hit record. Um, she was a pop singer to start with, and I That's actually right. think she, she's turned out to become a magnificent actress. Uh, uh, lots of other things that she's done. I mean, I'm not saying that she was excellent from the get go, but she certainly learned her craft uh, and uh, the casting turned out to be pure goal, really. Christopher Eccleston, uh, I was, again, watching it, I was a, l a little bit shocked at how much silly humour there was in the um, the uh, the beginning. And, of course, uh, again, Ian would tell me off if I didn't mention um, uh, Rose's mother, the actress playing Rose's mother, who's, uh, I can never pronounce her, the actress's name. Camilla Cordelier. Thank Camille. you. Yeah, playing Jackie Tyler. Yes. You know, Oh, I'm in my bedroom in my dressing room. <laughs> yes, Anything you are. could happen. Anything could happen. Yes, it could. <laughs> yes, it could. Yes, it could. <laughs> Subtext: It's not going to. But, <laughs> but then we had the the silly scene where the doctors uh, uh, found the arm, or the arms found him, and he's doing all this gurning, and there's there's almost like a frame, black and white. You're looking through the kitchenette. Uh, serving hatch and there's almost like a black and white movie going on behind while Rose is talking and not seeing and he's doing this sort of um, you know miming behind I, I was a little <laughs> bit surprised at that and, and in actual fact you've already mentioned it Louis. I thought it, it started to click as Doctor Who when uh, Christopher Eccleston starts talking mm -hmm. about I feel the world turning and I think yeah, that's that's sort of the, yeah, the, the classic speech. You know, we we talked about with this with the with the twelfth Doctor that it took place. You know, I don't know eight episodes in. You know, that this speech that the Doctor gives. I'm the Doctor, and I'm here to defend Earth and all that. And I think this was sort of that condensed version of that sort of just proclaiming who he is. Uh, you know, he because he says, and that that's that's who I am in that speech. So it's sort of like that little speech you know, condensed into that little segment there, which is great. Yeah, well, yeah. like in the 11th hour, the 11th Doctor, when when mm -hmm. he's putting his tie in on the roof. Exactly. And, and then he steps he steps through all the faces of the other Doctor, and you think, my God, yes, he is. I, and I got chills, yeah. you know, watching it now. It's it's interesting, you know, when with the TARDIS, you know, that scene I told you when you first see the TARDIS, I got chills there, and even... Um, because right after he gives that speech about the earth spinning and, and he says, this is who I am. And then he vanishes, you know, from Rose perceptions, he, he vanishes and all you, you don't see him go into the TARDIS, but you just hear the TARDIS groans, you know, and then it's just so, and she's like looking 
and she doesn't see anything, but she heard she heard the sounds, and I don't know, it just gave me chills, and it's just it's just done so subtly, but it so well. Indeed, yeah. Really though, Doctor, tell me, who are you? Do you know, like we were saying about the Earth revolving, it's like when you're a kid. The first time they tell you that the world's turning and you just can't quite believe it because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it. The turn of the earth. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour and the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me clinging to the skin of this tiny little world and if we let go that's who I am now forget me Rose Tyler go home I mean, uh, if there is any real thing, is that uh, Mickey didn't really get off to a good start. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe his character had to be like that. Otherwise, Mickey, Rose wouldn't have left him. Would she, she couldn't have left him behind. Yeah, we, we. I think we would have always blamed her for leaving him behind if he hadn't been painted that way to start with. Mm. But, oh my goodness, he was a bumbling idiot in the yeah. first. Uh, <laughs> Mickey the idiot. The tin dog. Mickey the idiot. Yeah. The tin dog, yeah. yes. <laughs> and then we had the unfortunate Harry Hill burp scene. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the UK, there's a comedian called Harry Hill, and he has a program called Harry Hill's Burp. But of course, the, the wheelie bin I'm talking about. Ah, okay. That, that was one of my notes on watching it again was really, does the bin have to burp? Do, I. I but, you know, we didn't know the Sladeen were coming. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought the burp was, was over, the, over the top. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had no idea. Uh, one thing I thought was when, when she got back in the car and uh, this plastic Mickey is at the side of her, I thought, well, how come she doesn't notice? But, of Absolutely, course, yeah. that, again, that's uh, uh, the fact that he's, he's sort of wallpaper to her life, isn't he? She shouldn't really look at him. But uh, then, and I'm also thinking, well, the, the uh, you know, the the uh, the makeup's not very good here. But of course, as he drives, and, and by the time they get to the restaurant, he's looking more Mickeyfied, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's more integrated, mm -hmm. um, still pl obviously plastic and having the uh, sort of um, Max Headroom glitches. But other than that, um, I, I think they probably—that yeah, that, that was—I think they probably did it for the audience. They wanted to make sh make it clear to the audience that 
this wasn't the real Mickey, you know, and 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 sometimes when you're familiar with people, sometimes you talk at them and not really, you know, you, you sort of not really looking at them. I don't know. I, I'm trying to excuse what I but I felt the same way that she didn't notice, you know, his obvious plastic hairline in in that car scene. But it's, you know, it's not. Too, See, I, I think it's not too I bad. think the nesting consciousness had to perfect their craft. And by the time it it was Rory's turn, they had it down perfect. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we don't question that one, do we? No, we don't. Yeah. I think there's a there's a burden in this script to let us know that this that she's not going to be a, a, a silly girl and she's not going to be kind of um, hiding behind the doctor as as adventures go on, and I think that's going to be that that would be true for new fans to the series and people who n- knew the classic series and that very often the job of some of the female companions was to stand around and scream and I, it, it struck me this time that when Rose first meets the threat of the autons, you know, in the, in the sub-basement of the department store, she does not scream. Mm, that's and there true. are a lot of things that happen during this episode, and she does not scream. And when she has an opportunity to confront the doctor again, her response is, you, inside, right now. And she pushes him into her flat. Mm, and, that's right. And then after this weird scene with Mickey, she's the one who has the presence of mind to hit the fire alarm so that everybody else will run out of the building. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... This script works very hard to say. You know what? <laughs> She's she is smarter than she looks. She is um, she is thinking faster than you may think she is, and, and the doctor sees it and he he gets it right away. And I, it's it's a, it's a great character introduction. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, ah. Go on, go on. No, no. Uh, what I was going to say, the way I look at that is, the doctor's looking more at. And this is uh, something that Capaldi does. Uh, the the uh, Eccleston's doctor was looking more at the big picture, whereas Rose was seeing some of the immediate by doing, you know, getting the people out. Look at the comments right after that about uh, what had happened to Mickey, and she's talking about uh, having to tell his mother that Mickey had died, and the doctor's going, you know, basically, so what? I'm trying to save every. As he and in his words, you know, every ape on the planet, uh, I'm trying to save you, and not worried about one particular person. So, you know, that's I like that interaction between the two of them. Her challenging him to yes, think big, but uh, you also need to think a little smaller too. Yeah, for, for those of us who've been around for in the show for you know 40 years, at that point we. I, I, at least I did. I instantly thought of Sarah Jane saying to, to the fourth doctor, sometimes I swear you're not, and he finishes it, human. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing they might do, I mean, first of all, one thing that we, we haven't spoken about is the fact that, um, you know, we have a complete story in this first episode. I mean, there's no cliffhanger. That was going to be a feature of series one. I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember now if there were any two-parters in the first series. There was um, there was no cliffhanger, but we did have next time on Doctor Who, which was a completely, like, you know, futuristic off-world adventure, which really had us salivating yeah. for, oh, we can't wait for next time, you know? Little did we know at the time that we were going to be mostly Earthbound, but here... We felt like we were taking the leap off Earth. You know, we, you know, we were leaving Earth for a while, but it, it just turned out to be, um, you know, a, a future story that, um, you know, and we we're back at Earth um, soon. You know, for the most part, but um, 
I mean, that's uh, if anything, that's would be my criticism for the return of Doctor Who was that it seemed to be a little bit too Earthbound, but um, eventually we, we got to other planets. Right, it got an AI rating, but AI rating, by the way, of eighty-one, and uh, I think after the first week in the UK, uh, it was just under ten million from first viewing, but that went up to about. 10.81 million. Of course, uh, the BBC iPlayer wasn't sort of uh, the phenomenon that it is now in terms of getting, you know, one, one and a half million, two million. Was it even around things, then? But, um, I don't, you know, it was 2005. Was it? I don't know. I, I don't think it was, was it? Mm. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I can't think that far back. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, if, if we go to... Um, the tenth Doctor with the Christmas Invasion that started off with a feature length one, sixty minute one. But Rose is just a standard length episode, isn't it? Forty five mm-hmm. yeah. minutes. And um, uh, but there was a few things that happened that were sort of um, uh, around there. We first of all in the UK we had the uh, the the glitch that got Graham Norton's voice coming over the early part of the story, and that left us a few of us a bit baffled because we didn't know why he's we we're hearing his voice in the basement. Uh, Graham Norton is a chat show host mm-hmm. uh, for those people that don't know and uh, he'd just been doing some continuity announcements and he was doing something in another studio and for some reason the audio got switched through um, we we also um, there was something else that happened as well um, and it's just slipped my mind but uh, what was it ooh that's gone funny I can't remember it. I'll come back to it, I'm sure, in a moment. Senior moment there. Well, there was an, um, uh, an animated Graham Norton trailer that, that went over one of the... Uh, That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little <laughs> foot thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, under the... Uh, the, uh, the lower third. Matt Smith's great. The, the, the one thing you never put in a trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- then we also had the news that very short... I can't remember it was just after this, but within a week we found out that Christopher Eccleston was leaving and yeah. maybe before it actually aired uh, in the States because um, Rose, as you mentioned quite rightly, um, internationally it wasn't... I mean, it was in the United Kingdom, it was the 26th of March. In Canada, it was on the 5th of April 2005, but as we said, the United States didn't get it until 17th of March 2006. Uh, and by then, of course... Uh, Christopher Eccles was gone and that uh, we're all thinking that's a regeneration gone you know wasted gen- regeneration well I mean it's it's sad that the news broke at the time I, I mean obviously I don't think it was something that, that they wanted to happen at that time and um, but uh, I mean but I, but even before getting to that I you know would be remiss to say that you know the, this episode with and the return of Doctor Who wasn't you know didn't wasn't spearheaded by this talented actor that's Christopher Eccleston. I think right away, you know, usually on, on, on that first, you know, first outing of a new doctor, a new actor playing the doctor, you're very critical and you're, you're like, is this really, is he really going to be the, you know, is he going to be the, is he going to do it right and all that? But I think Christopher Eccleston, um, I think right here, you know, he, he, it didn't take him long to fit into those shoes and into the, into that leather coat, if you will. And, and jumper and all that he was you know he was the doctor and and i think you know going back to that speech you know with the earth spinning and all that i think you know at that time that's when it, you know you, you realize that this is who he is and that this is the doctor but I, I think- i'm just reading here it was 
It was four days after the episode aired on March the 30th mm -hmm. that the BBC re released a statement ostensibly from Eccleston saying that he decided to leave the role after just one series. And that was four days after the first episode aired. Wow. But I, th I think it was leaked somehow before the B an official announcement from the BBC. I think somehow it got out and they were sort of forced to sort of make an announcement. If I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on the 4th of April, uh, the BBC revealed that the Eccleston, in quotes, statement was falsely attributed and released without his consent. But they didn't mean, they didn't say it was wrong. They just said mm -hmm. it was released without his consent. Not the same thing. Right. I just looked up when we were talking about the iPlayer earlier. Uh, the initial release date, according to Wikipedia, was December 25th, 2007. So it wasn't uh, around then. Yeah. Right. Right. It may well have been repeated on BBC Three then, because uh, it says within the week. Often, of course, here in the UK, um, if Doctor Who was on a Saturday, the following Monday, it would be re-shown on BBC Three, which is not a terrestrial, uh, you know, it wasn't a terrestrial channel then. It is now because of dig the digital age, but um, basically not everybody had uh, BBC Three. But uh, unfortunately, that's the channel that's going to get axed soon. That's going to become an internet-only thing as BBC try and save some money. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to mention. The other announcement that, uh, that um, came out was that, the, that there was going to be a Christmas special. So there's going to be 13 episodes plus a 14th episode, but they weren't going to get any extra money to do it. So Russell T. Davis was both glad that they were going to get the, you know, the, the kudos of having a, a Christmas episode, but he was told he had to do that on the same money they'd been given for the whole series. Hmm. And it's interesting that the Christmas episode has now become, you know, what, a tradition even. Yeah, it is now a tradition now with Doctor Who. And, I and every year it's more Christmassy and more Christmassy and more Christmassy. <laughs> well, I always consider the first one, um, you know, since the series has come back, is the is the one with Christopher Augustine and Dickens. The, um, uh, what was it called again? Um, oh, uh, the, yeah. the, the Shakespeare Code? No, no, not the Shakespeare Code. It's with... The, the unquiet the unquiet dead, dead. Yes, yes yes i had to, I had to look it up <laughs> as listeners to podshock are shouting at their i know i know devices. it's unquiet dead <laughs> and didn't that didn't that also establish somewhat of a a thing where we you know the the second episode would always go into the future and then the third episode would be into the past and so on yeah, and, they then, had this and then pattern. we had people start, start the historical figure yeah it was like this pattern that, that, that started repeating itself. And whether whether the TARDIS went down the red tunnel or the blue yeah. tunnel, or he had uh, the vortex, yeah, yeah which was like yeah, vortex, yeah, and that was echoed later when we got to Eleventh Doctor with his braces. Mm. Well, I I remember at the time, and I, I for those longtime listeners who, who maybe have been listening from Doctor Who Podchuck from the very start, uh, we did review Rose back in Doctor Who Podchuck episode thirty, and you may be thinking, well, why thirty? And um, at the time when um, when the series had returned, um, I had the idea of um, launching a podcast with it. it. Was the twentieth anniversary of the Gallifreyan Embassy in two thousand and five? Um, obviously, now it's the thirtieth anniversary, but back then it was the twenty. So. In conjunction with that, we wanted to um, redo the website 
and um, and and podcasting was just in its very infancy at that time. It, um, the very first podcast I think was in 2004. Uh, like I, I don't know if I'm, I could be wrong. I, I'm thinking October podcasting really of 2004 was coming about. So um, so I thought it was a natural fit since um, we weren't printing a newsletter. We do we'll 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 do it on a website and to launch the the, the podcast. But one little thing is, um, unfortunately, I came down with bronchitis and I couldn't speak. <laughs> I, I mean, I could speak, but I was raspy. And I put the podcast aside, uh, the idea of doing a podcast. So uh, we didn't get to review. We, we were well into the podcast before we went back and reviewed the first series of, uh, you know, when it, you know, the 2005 series, if you will. You know, that's why the if you go back to episode 30 of Dr. Pachak, you'll hear our review of Rose back then. Yeah, in those days, I think nobody was doing podcasts except Adam Curry and uh, you. Well, yeah, Adam Curry was, uh, thank you for bringing him up. He was uh, he's one of the first, if not the first, that was doing a podcast. In two, I think he started in 2004, 2004, but, um, you know, don't quote me on it. I'm that's why you're the podfather. The podfather. <laughs> <laughs> Something else uh, I wanted to, to, to shoehorn Since in here. the earliest days of podcasting. When classic Who was the only Who. There has always been Louis Trapani. That's why we call him the Podfather. <laughs> well, thank you again, Lee, for that. <laughs> I'm so glad you've hung on to that. <laughs> oh, of course. I haven't had a chance to play it much. I haven't really been doing those little know, intro yeah. themes at the beginning as yeah. I, I was in the past. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll have to come up with some new ones. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to toss something in here because it just it just delighted me so much in watching Rose again that as a screenwriter, I know that one of the things that's so very important to emotional storytelling is to is to build the script around the the middle, around what's going to be happening at the, the, the turning point, mm-hmm. the, the, the actual, you know, on the clock turning point of the story. The version of Rose that I have is 44 minutes long. So I wanted to know what's happening at the 22-minute mark. And what's happening there is Clive telling Rose that the doctor has a companion. Uh, death. And it is And it is death. Oh, and, yes. And I thought that, again, you sort of see the brilliance of this screenplay because the other things you want to do in a perfectly shaped script is you want to mirror that image you want to book it at opposite ends of the script. And, you know, so the, this story begins with the doctor saying, run for your life. And if she hadn't done it, she'd be dead. That's you true. Know, he's not playing around. And then equidistant from that at the other end of the, of the screenplay is somebody dies and it's Clive. He's right. The doctor's constant companion is death. Mm-hmm. Um so, so there's a lot of fun and a lot of lightheartedness in the script, but RTD wants us to know from the beginning, we are not kidding around with Doctor Who. This is going to be about everywhere he goes, people are going to die. And, and that's, that's what we see for the rest of this season. 
I think Clive also, just before he says that, also says something about um, there's always a storm or the, there's yes, a storm yes, around the Doctor, yeah, he, which is, yeah, the, yeah. again, the, the oncoming storm. The foreshadowing yeah. of the oncoming storm uh, comment, yeah. Uh, speaking of writing, we should also just make a um, make note that this was written by Russell T. Davies. He was not only the executive producer, but he was also, uh, you know, um, I, what's the term, head writer um, of the series? at the time as well. Lead writer. It's a privilege whatever. that executive producers get. So yeah. You get to be the head writer. So he, he had written this episode and it's uh, directed by Keith Bulk and um, who I don't know if he's um, done any other Doctor Who's, but he's done other stuff. EastEnders, just trying to think of anything that might be, that, that might be, com- that might bring up, that people might know of. He did come back and direct uh, Aliens of London and World War Three. I see. Okay. Says the IMDb, which knows all. Yeah, that's right. He directed EastEnders. There's always this uh, this relationship between EastEnders and Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah. Well, it's EastEnders has been around for um, for not as long as Doctor Who, but it's been around for that's a right. while. It's practically the Archers. Isn't it? And uh, I, I think this is the the first reference we get to the Time mm-hmm. War. Hmm. And the Shadow Proclamation. Yes, I remember no, being I, very intrigued by that in two thousand five. And so it was a it was a very exciting it. time. I'm just I'm trying to re, I'm trying to oh, bring boy. myself back to two thousand five and 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 put myself yeah, in, I, in in the shoot. Every time I watch any Doctor Who, as I always say on on Doctor Who Podcast, is I try to put myself in the era that it was, you know, broadcast. You know, and um, and appreciate it for for that. So it's, you know, Clive having a website. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder what he used to do the website. Was it, you know, at, at the time in 2005? And, and then I realized it wasn't that archaic in 2000. It wasn't, it was, if it was 1995, I would be thinking, you know, um, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> who's, who's reading this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that, um, you know, came to the door, she, Rose came to the door and I guess as his wife was coming down the, the steps and she says, a, a, a girl, a woman, you know, a, a, you know, she was surprised that it was, a, some, you know, a female reading the website, you know, That's implying right. that, that it must have been, you know, previously only only geeky guys, I guess. Uh-huh. Or when Rose first got to the door, she the, when his son answers the door, she thinks that's Clive. Remember, she's oh. she's thinking it and she says, no, you need to see my dad. Dad, another one of your nutters is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the the mother says, uh, "What a girl read your website." That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what he's. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, again, Ian, I must mention Ian. Thought he would say, you know, uh, we also like all the way back to the very first story where, um, you know, the the TARDIS is found in the junkyard, and uh, you know, it, it, it's. You know, you go around it, but it's bigger on the inside. Of course, when when the doctor's uh, telling Rose, to, you know, they're being pursued, and he says, you know, come inside here, and she says, I'm not going inside a wooden box, and she's trying to get out, and then she goes in, then she comes out, does the walk around, and and like he said, you know, every companion after that has to do that. You have to walk around. Mm. You get disappointed if they don't do that. <laughs> um, that's good, uh, and the doctor thinks uh, when he when he tells us, you quite rightly said that you know that it's an alien vessel and he's an alien, and then she starts crying and he thinks, oh, culture shock, but it isn't. He's just ripped the head off her boyfriend. She still thinks, yeah, she thinks he's just ripped Mickey's head off. 
bit delayed, but that was uh, that was what she was actually worried about. She she as, as well, and she as was concerned said, about telling said, she's going to have to tell his his mother and all that, and she you know, and again, just maybe. Um, putting a finer point on the doctor's alienness. He didn't really, you know, who's Mickey, Mickey who, you know, who's this, you know, and then he, you know, he makes a reference to, you know, you're worried about this one person, but I'm trying to save all these, you know, naked apes on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. assembled odds of Genghis Khan couldn't get through that door and believe me they've tried now shut up a minute you see the arm was too simple the head's perfect I can use it to trace the signal back to the original source right where do you want to start um the inside's bigger than the outside? Yes. It's alien? Yeah. Are you alien? Yes. Is that all right? Yeah. It's called the TARDIS, this thing. T-A-R-D-I-S. That's time and relative dimension in space. <laughs> That's okay. Culture shock. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Did they kill him, Mickey? Did, did they kill Mickey? Is he dead? Oh. I didn't think of that. He's my boyfriend. You pulled off his head. They copied him and you didn't even think. And now you're just going to let him melt? Melt? Oh, no, 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 no! What are you doing? Following the signal, it's fake. Wait a minute, I've got it. I lost the signal. I got so close. We've moved. Does it fly? Disappears there and reappears here. You wouldn't understand. If we're somewhere else, what about that headless thing? It's still on the loose. It melted with the head. Are you going to witter on all night? I'll have to tell his mother. Mickey, I'll have to tell his mother he's dead and you just went and forgot him again. You were right, you are alien. Look, if I did forget some kid called Mickey... Yeah, he's not a kid. because I'm busy trying to save the life of every stupid ape blundering about on top of this planet, all right? All right? Yes, it is. If you are an alien, how come you sound like you're from the North? Lots of planets have a North. Well, and that carries over beautifully into the next episode, too, where he completely blows her mind and doesn't real you know he's just not thinking about the fact that this isn't mundane to her as it is to him to go to the end of time for her planet and to watch it burn and to be surrounded by alien races and so on and and for a moment he's baffled what's the problem what you know so i i liked that i liked the alienness of uh, the ninth doctor as we were meeting him mm, yeah same here well I, well I think there were very uh, there were a lot of very good elements in that that had it not worked had the combination happened not happened the way it did not if the casting had not happened the way it did we would not be sitting here you know in 2015 discussing this with such high regard right you know, was, absolutely yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. Can't argue with that. Yeah. I think the, the biggest praise we can give to people who've, when they've listened to, to this episode that we've done, if you haven't already given uh, Rose another airing, get it out and watch it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, and now mm-hmm. is the best time yeah. to do it. What better way to celebrate celebrating 10 years of the return of Doctor Who than going back to uh, where it all began 10 years ago? <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to saying I, I unearthly really trial, that. but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like I said uh, on another episode, uh, only on our favorite time travel show would we celebrate the 50th anniversary and then celebrate the 10th <laughs> anniversary. But, um, yeah. Yes. But it's it's true. I really felt like I know Rose by heart. You know, it's I'm not going to see anything new when I watch it again. And I was, boy, was I wrong. Um, it is yeah. um, it is a marvel. Well, I think that's I think that's part of watching Doctor Who because probably the last time you watched Rose may have been before you can uh, saw the 50th anniversary, which mm. then may have seeing the war doctor regenerate that adds another layer so i mean that's that's one thing i love about the show you keep adding layers upon layers so that when you do go back and you watch an earlier episode it's a brand new experience because guess what you've got knowledge about what may be going on behind the scenes that you didn't know before that's very true yeah Mm. as the fictional uh the fictional backstory keeps expanding and expanding. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one more thing I really want to say about the episode, and that is the fact that um, we do get this um, hint as well that, um, you know, did I tell you it travels in in time as oh, well as space? A, a Father's Day. You, is that what you're yeah, into? Uh, uh, well, 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 in terms of the fact that, you know, one of the things that, that uh, although the Doctor comes from another world and is the vastness of the galaxy... Um, you know, I still think of it as a time travel. Yes. <laughs> Simply because I'm more interested in time travel. Um, so there's there's an awful lot to recommend yeah. it. I mean, uh, uh, and um, it's one of these things that, uh, you know, I'm sure when the people were mixing the cake and put all the different, uh, you know, ingredients in it, they didn't know it was going to bake so well, <laughs> uh, but it certainly did. And... Um, I, th- I think apart from the, I didn't like the, the doctor's gurning and we had uh, this uh, unfortunate announcement of him leaving and um, one or two other little things. But other than that, it was pretty flawless relaunch of a, uh, a series that stood the test of time. And the only thing I want to know is who's stolen the last 10 years? Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any other? I'm with you completely, Dave. Yeah. I, I, I love um, the, the time travel aspect of the show so much that I, I remember in 2005 that the line that made me punch the air was, the assembled hordes of Genghis Khan can get to that door, and believe me, they try. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I said, yes! <laughs> Absolutely. Good. And to answer your question, who's stolen the last 10 years, I see, including Christopher Eccleston, three other people uh, have (laughs) stolen the last 10 years. Their names are David Tennant, Matt Smith, and Peter Capaldi. Well, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun, so it's been a fun ride. And and John Hurt, I suppose, you ought to have to. Ah, yes. Yep. And for one brief moment, one brief moment, Mr. Tom Baker. 
<laughs> Who knows? I'm touching my nose as you say that. <laughs> Any other final thoughts? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that this people are always looking for introduction episodes to new people. I mean, this was an introduction episode, so you know, for a new audience. So I, I would also, you know, include this among those as if you, if you're trying to, you know, introduce the, the series to someone. Um, you know, this is one of those. This is an option as well. You know, when you pick an episodes. Yeah. Don't pick the five doctors. Ian tried that and it's too confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a mess. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a great way into the, the series, uh, classic and new, I think. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, it's it was great reflecting back and uh, um, it's we want if you if you our listeners like to uh, share your experiences and you and reflect back on what you know if, if you were watching back then or even if you weren't if you want to go back and, and and watch rose or, or if you want if you caught it later on you know you know during the last 10 years um what are your thoughts about it we want to hear from you um as always you can send us your feedback you can go to our website the pachak.net and there's a link there on the top there for feedback and um, it will tell you how to send send your feedback. There's the Pachak public call box, which works like voicemail, and currently the number is 206-337-4699. And as always, I always encourage you to go to our website in case the numbers change, because sometimes people are listening to this. It's, speaking of time travel, at all different different times and years, so uh, you know that that number does change from time to time. So make sure you have the current number when you do call to leave your feedback, or you could just record your feedback and send it to feedback at pachak.net, which leads us to our feedback, and we have a, a few feedbacks. But before I do, um, Dave, can you stick around for feedback, or do you need to step out? Uh, I'll have to bow out if I may, and okay. not to be impolite to people doing feedback because I will absolutely listen back to it. And um, if anybody said anything kind about me, if in the rare opportunity that they do so, I'll thank them in advance. If this is <laughs> something nice about me, you'll have to give me a warning. Uh, unnice about me, you'll have to give me a warning, Lewis. People but, only uh, say thanks, good guys. things about you. <laughs> Uh, apologies for dropping out, but um, really enjoy being here and um, lovely listening to uh, uh, more viewpoints. Always nice to hear uh, other fans uh, and other uh, co-hosts on the uh, show. But um, please forgive me those listening to the recording later and um, give uh, Colton Collective a try if you haven't already done so. Absolutely. Um, Thank you, Dave. It's on TalkShoe.com, Colton Collective. You can catch it there or later in um you could catch it live there i should say or later or you could also catch even pre-recorded ones you could catch on talk show well, go, go to itunes i, but I, I was just gonna to say iTunes. i was just gonna say or subscribe iTunes. subscribe it's subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> there's only 506 <laughs> there's only 37 complete days of episodes to listen to <laughs> sure you got the time okay guys thank you dave <laughs> catch you later thanks lee and kyle hey, thank you Lewis. bye Cheers, Cheers. Dave. Okay, well, we'll get to our feedback. We have a few um, feedbacks to cover. Blue Box Bill and Blue Box Roadster. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Blue Box Festival in feedback today. I should explain that um, we had a feedback episode not too long ago of um, when we, we did a series of, uh, you know, live shows after, you know, the, um, Peter Capaldi's um, run of, of the series. We did live shows 
And then afterwards, um, you know, we came back to do studio shows. So we accumulated some feedbacks and um, we did one episode of just feedback. And uh, I have to apologize because one of them was meant to be there, but somehow slipped through the cracks. And um, that was Blue Box Bill. And he had made, you know, I said in that episode, if there's anyone that if there were any feedbacks that we didn't cover, please let me know and and we would get to them. So one of these feedbacks is is a little dated because of that. So I just wanted to set that up for you if, if you're wondering why he's um, if this feedback goes back to episode. He's re, he's giving feedback, replying to episode 304 of Dr. Who Podchuck. So but we'll start with Blue Box Bill. And this is what he had to say then. Scientists say that the freak conditions are due to slight fluctuations in the Earth's gravitational pull. Fluctuations that apparently only happen once every thousand years. Here's what our cameras in Hawaii saw. <laughs> I love humans. Well, All the seeing patterns and things that aren't there. Meet the government's worst kept secret. The source of all our growth technology. It's fully programmable matter. It can absorb, convert, transmit, and program all forms of energy. In fact, it's even learning to replicate itself at the cellular level. The chameleon of the elements. Once a reading's been taken, we can manipulate its molecular structure into anything. Replicate a living organism down to the hairs on its chinny, chin, chin. Even clothes. And everything's identical. It uses the energy it absorbs not only to copy, but to recreate and restructure any given substance. The flesh. Axonite! Oh, hello there. Apparently I'm caught up in a bit of a time clash. It's all gone wibbly wobbly but I'll do my best to carry on. Here goes. Greetings and salutations Podshock. Today's feedback is in response to episode 304. Bill is that you? Why yes Joe, it's me. Bill? Bill where are you? I'm right here Joe. But you can't see me, can you? Time is slipping in and out of phase. Maybe the clash is breaking up. No wait, the clash broke up in 1986 if memory serves. Okay, enough pop culture trivia. Time is running out, but it isn't wearing both shoes, it's left one behind. And that makes about as much sense as this next clip. Doctor, I wasn't imagining things. I tell you I heard Bill Filer's voice. won't help you, Filer. You're a hell. Now look, if you do what I say, we can both escape from here. Oh, yeah, sure. How? That ganglion on the wall behind you. You see it? Yeah? That's the nerve sector of this section of Axos. Hit that, and the shock will disorientate it temporarily. Now that's our chance. That's our only chance. You'll try. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang about. Stop everything. 
I have no doubt that Joe heard Bill Filer's voice. I believe her but what I refuse to believe is that no one heard Bill Filer firing his gun repeatedly. Lucy, can you explain that one to me? Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. I should explain that he was um, replying to Doctor Who Project 304, which we reviewed the claws of Axos. So that's uh, why his uh, episode was uh, sort of related to that to, to that story. Which is a I give him an A plus on creativity. Yeah, which is a John Pertwee story uh, with um, Third Doctor with Joe Grant, Katie Manning. That was just a lot of fun to listen to. So, yeah. <laughs> He's very creative. Yeah, thumbs up for creativity. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to go from Blue Box Bill to uh, Blue Box Roadster, who also goes by the name Andrew. And this is what Andrew had to say. This is Andrew, uh, Blue Box Road, Roadster, Blue Box Roadster, just checking in. Um, I've recently finished episode 178. I made it to 2010 by uh, via my transdimensional um, iPad app and listening to uh, Podchuck. Um, after starting out with Podchuck uh, episode one early 2014, I think um, achieving 178 and getting to 2010 is quite an achievement. Uh, it's amazing how a trans transcendent um, a transcendental iPad app can work by uh, transporting you to various locations in time and space. Um, I wanted to say that, um, you know, it's, it's quite a pleasure listening to the end of time, that uh, patch up episode, the review, the reviews of the episodes, actually there are two double episodes. And um, actually that was the last time the master appeared before he was a she. Wanted to say that I think that's the only episode that uh, that last one of the end of time that uh, Matt Smith and the Master actually appeared together, um, not in the same scene but in the same episode. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, but I think that's true. Um, I wanted to um, also say that in that episode there was a, a feedback from one listener who said that he really didn't like the live episodes. He liked the the. Um, input from the main three but i think that um dr Pachak is all of us together it's everybody it's not just three people giving their views and i, I appreciate and enjoy um everybody who puts their input in and it definitely gets me thinking about uh, dr who and um you know deeper perspectives there I did want to say, kind of jumping to, jumping ahead to 2015, if anybody happened to see that uh, a doctor is going to appear in uh, the YouTube episodes, Star Trek continues. So um, I, I would highly encourage somebody 
to go out and, and check uh, check that out on YouTube, bring it on up. And um, I don't think the episode's been filmed yet, but uh, a doctor did say he was going to be appearing in Star Trek. So I think that's kind of interesting. Anyway, so that's my input for this time around. Um, I guess all I have to say is Alonze. And thank you, Andrew. And he's speaking of Colin Baker, who we reported on previously, will be on in, in, in an episode of Star Trek Continues, though I don't think, I don't believe he's going to be playing the Doctor, though there may be some references, perhaps, you know, some, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink <laughs> references to Doctor Who. But he's going to, I don't know what, you know, what character he will be playing. Um, I believe he has a goatee in it, or at least... Uh, at the time when he announced he was going to be in it, whatever he was, the Colin Baker was sporting it. So I'm, it may be, he may have it in that story. I don't know. Um, it would be kind of interesting if he did. But that's. Uh, but also, Andrew, I also want to thank you for your point about um, that Doctor Who Pachak is um, not just us hosts talking about it, but we always had an emphasis on feedback, and that's why. You know, we always encourage people to leave feedback and we want to hear what you have to say as well. So it's um, it's it's all about a collection of fandom here. And we're all we come together with this united interest and love and passion about Doctor Who. And that's really what the show is about. You know, Doctor Who Pachak is about is celebrating Doctor Who. So, um, yeah, it's 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 not. It's not just me. It's not just Lee. It's not just Kyle or Dave. It's it's all of us, and um, and that's why we do the live shows when we do the the new episodes because everyone's excited about what they just saw, and everyone wants to kind of you know chime in and participate. And um, and both you know I'm here with, with right now with uh, Dave. Unfortunately, stepped away, but Kyle and 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 Lee are still with me here, and um, and they were participants of the live show. So you know it serves a purpose, and we'll be back with live shows again. I think I put Dave. I think I put Kyle and and, and Lee to sleep. <laughs> no, no, we're here. Uh, okay, <laughs> no, we're, we're we're nodding fervently. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Andrew. And um and and as I said, you know, before with the with the speaking of feedback, when you call the Pachak public call box, always to check the website for the phone number because people are listening to Doctor Pachak at all different times and, and years and whatever. So you, if you're listening to this and 2020, you, the number may have changed. So here's Andrew listening to uh, our review of, um, you know, going back to 2010. So it's and it's inter- interesting that the master has been absent for so long. You know, you know that that uh, the Eleventh Doctor didn't have an adventure really with the master. It was only at, at that that tail end of the of the, you know of the Tenth Doctor, uh, you know, story that uh, you know that had the master in it that. Um, you know, that both of them were in the same episode, if you will. Okay, well, we're going to go to our last piece of feedback here, which is uh, again from Blue Box Bill, but this is uh, he's uh, this is um, a reply or a response to Pachak 314, 10 episodes past 304, which he was replying to before. before. So this is, uh, once again, Blue Box Bill. Sort of fancy dress thing on this evening. 
don't, don't think so. Why do you ask? Well, that fellow over there, dressed as a mummy monster thing. Who do you mean? I can't see him. Oh, you! You! Throw that man out of my dining car. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, madam. Which man? Which man? I'll have your job. That man, right there, dressed as a monster. Mama, there isn't anyone there. Are you feeling okay? Don't you dare lie to me, girl. I won't be made a fool of. Stop it. Stop it. Stop him at once, right now. Today's feedback is in response to episode 340. My favorite episode at this point in the series is a toss-up between Listen and Mummy on the Orient Express. This story served up satisfying portions of horror and humor, and it did so in an unforgettable setting. Hello. I'm so pleased to finally see you. I'm the doctor and I will be your victim this evening. Are you my mummy? up, I think. So are there magic words? Is there a way to stop you in your tracks? Oh, you really didn't like your grand, did you? Without a doubt, The Foretold is the best TV mummy I've ever seen. Most appear lifeless, and move in a mechanical, or exaggerated way, but not this one. Janet Henfrey, the actress who played Mrs. Pitt, The Foretold's first victim, suffered a similar fate once before in Doctor Who. See if you remember her from this clip. Maiden's Point. Did you say Maiden's Point? I only want to go for a walk. Maybe have a swim. I know what girls who go to Maiden's Point have in mind. You will never go near the place, neither of you. All right, keep your hair on. You impudent child. Do you know why it's called Maiden's Point? Because when you stand on those cliffs, you can hear the terrible lost cries of girls who went to that place with evil in their hearts. Girls were damned forever. That's all for now. Until next time. Excuse me while I get that. Until next time keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Uh, thank you once again, Blue Box Bill. And that was obviously yeah, a reply to Mummy on the Oriented Express that we had just reviewed at that time. Are you my mummy? <laughs> Different. Hello, mommy. are you my mommy? <laughs> but yeah, again, mommy. Points, points for creativity. Huh? Mommy, are you my mommy? Sorry, yeah, I I lost it there for a second. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> mommy. And I believe um was that other reference to the curse of Fenric? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not get that, but I, but yeah, I, 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 I think that's, I think that's what that, yeah, that, Curse that, of Fenric, uh, that, that yeah. clip was from, uh, the, you know, um, 
which is a, a Seventh Doctor story going back to uh, was it 1980 was it 89 or um, somewhere on that yeah October 25th through uh, November 9th, uh, November 15th of 1989 but those uh, four episodes aired Alrighty, well, we want to hear from you. As always, feedback is appreciated. Uh, keep it down to uh, just a few minutes, three minutes or so. If you're leaving audio feedback, it is an audio podcast, so we do appreciate audio feedback, but we'll take all feedback. You could send your feedback once again to podchock at feedback. I'm sorry. <laughs> feedback, I'm getting, I'm reversing the polarity of the neutron flow. Uh, feedback at podchock.net, or you can go to, again, go to our website. There's on the top there, you'll find a tab for feedback. And there's the number there for the Podchock public call box, 206-337-4699. And uh, I want to thank, well, again, thanks, Dave, who had, had to step away. But I want to thank Lee and Kyle for uh, being a part of this show, reflecting back to 10 years ago. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm so glad that we're still, you know, 10 years have gone by and Doctor Who's still on, the, on television. You know, we're going to be back um, again with live episodes reviewing the new series this year. This is 2015. So we're, I don't think we have a date set, but we're assuming it's going to probably be, you know, autumn or maybe late summer that the series will be returning. And with uh, Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor, or uh, some could argue the number, but I'm going to say 12th Doctor. And, um, and you know, but we'll, we'll, we have episodes of Doctor Who Podchock, you know, before, you know, in between then and um, in between now and then as well. Thanks for having us on, Lewis. Oh, and, cheers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a pleasure. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of fun doing this with, with other people than just myself. So <laughs> I always enjoy your input as well. Um, Lee, would you like to, uh, anything going on in, in that you'd like to plug anything, um, anything you want to chime in about? You're just, you're so good to me, Lewis. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, for Dr. Who fans who are also into Sherlockian stuff, my, my web series, Herlock is launching at, the 221B Con in Atlanta, Georgia, um, April 10th through 12th. That's the convention. We don't know what night we're on, but yeah, at some point, this 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 thing that I've been working on for a year is actually going to be seen by human eyes other than our own. So yeah, but uh, uh, everybody else can check it out. Uh, at least uh, you know uh, you could you could see a trailer and so on at herlock.us H-E-R-L-O-C-K. And if that sounds like it's Sherlock with women, that's what it is. Fantastic. And, oh, and, th- thanks again. Oh, thank you. And uh, Kyle, I'll offer you the same. Um, I know you have H- HR on Doctor Who. Anything anything that you would like to uh, plug or talk about before we go? No, no, no I don't. I, right now, um, you know, I'm just very happy to be here. And as we all know, and uh, Lee, I'll get with you. I'll cross-promote your Herlock as well. So, uh, I'll get some information from you, but no, I'm just happy to be here and uh, hoping for everyone listening. I've got a new mic. I hope I sound a lot you better sound than I've sounded in the past. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, cool. Excellent. I'm surrounded by Yetis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's great. Oh, oh. oh, say Giddy Ant again, Kyle. You you do it so well. Yeah. Say what? Oh my Giddy Ant! I can't believe it, Jamie Zoe. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say when you're surrounded by yetis, you say. Exactly. Well, until next time, uh, 
happy Doctor Whoing and cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Did I mention it also travels in time? Thanks. Thanks for what? Exactly.